quite unusual. Hello and welcome to the Quite Unusual podcast. We are your hosts. I, of course, am Noelle. And I am Nicole. Of course you are. (laughs) It's us from the Quite Unusual podcast. The podcast where we talk about things that are unusual and quite. Quite. Quite and unusual. Yes, that's what we talk about. Yeah. I myself am quite an unusual you are. It doesn't really translate, but it's supposed to be like the Beetlejuice thing. I myself am strange and unusual. Mm. Yeah, it was really dumb. Whatever, who cares? <laughs> didn't hit. Uh, you know what's not dumb? Beaches that make you old. As in the beach from the recent M. Night Shyamalan movie? Called Old. Correct. Called Old. So I have not seen this movie. Have you seen it? No. <laughs> Why are you bringing this up if you haven't seen this movie? Because I'm obsessed with it. You know how I am, okay. um, some could say, too online. I live on the internet. You are a person of the internet. Yes, I, you are. I am. I live there. It yep. is my second home. Yep. My mailing address is forwarded to Twitter. But it's everything on the internet is about this movie yeah called old yeah i've been seeing that a lot too i gotta watch it i feel like i want to watch it and i will say that i feel like i'm one of the few people in the whole world that is unironically in love with m night Shyamalan movies as in you love all of them or you appreciate some of them for being great but most of them suck okay so I love every single one of them. Every single one? Every single one I have ever Lady seen. Lady in the Water. So fucking you bad like Lady that in the I water? love it. <laughs> it's terrible. It's such a bad movie. And yeah. I love it so much. The Village? Plot holes. I love The Village. So many plot holes. It d- makes no sense. Yeah. They rerouted the flight patterns to not go <laughs> over. I watched this movie like three weeks ago. To, to mm-hmm. not go over this village for some reason? Or like nobody just accidentally stumbles like, hey, I'm hiking in this forest. Oh, shit. There's a well, bunch there of people a fence around here. it. So that doesn't stop people from doing anything. True. Um, which, side note, one time I broke into a cemetery at night and I climbed over mm. this giant fence. I was like eight feet tall and there was barbed wire, but I really wanted to go in the cemetery. And then we were locked in overnight because we couldn't figure out how to get back out. So what did you do? We waited until they opened. No, you didn't. And then we walked out. That's a true story? That's a true story. And the guy (laughs) that opened the gate was like, how long have you been in here? And we were like, only since 4 a.m. And he's like, well, it's only 8 a.m. So like. (laughs) Only four hours. It's fine. It was fine. We had so much fun in the cemetery. But. (laughs) Sure. Oh, youth. Anyways. I don't know why I'm bringing this up, but I'm obsessed with this movie Old, where apparently Mm. it's a beach that you go to. And you get old. Which, I'm just going to say this, as a 30-year-old woman who is developing crow's feet. (laughs) Same. Every ray of sunshine is making you old. Yeah. All the beaches. Every beach makes you old, actually. They make you fucking old. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like this concept, I feel like M. Night Shyamalan, Shyamalan, are we saying... How are we saying his last name? Shyamalan? Shyamalan? I want to say Shyamalan because it sounds... M. Night. Just call him M. Night. M. Night. Leave out this Shyamalan. Monsieur M. Night. <laughs> Sir M. Night. Just learned about retinol. Okay. Mm. All Everyone's going to understand this. I feel like you just learned about retinol and mm-hmm. he's like, wait a minute. Sunlight makes you old? Question mark? <laughs> so 
something that white women in their 30s have known for all time for all time yeah and he just found out about retinol got a great idea for a terrible movie which i assume it's awful like like on par with the village oh yeah most of his movies are there are those specific ones like signs signs is great oh my god split split is fantastic sometimes he hits it right on the nose but most of the time it's lady in the water lady in the water Uh (laughs) the beach that makes you old so anyways there's no point to what i'm saying right now except for i want to watch this movie Mm -hmm. i'm obsessed with this concept of a man not knowing that the sunlight makes you old well, what was the other one he did with the grandparents that were actually not the grandparents and they were uh, the visit? Is that what it was? Oh, yeah. That one was. He has a thing with old being old, I he's guess, recently. With, he's obsessed with old. Um, I feel like he watched <laughs> Cocoon one time. It was like, I'm going to form my entire personality around this movie and not wanting to get old. Yeah. yeah he seems to have a, re- a real obsession with it. Yeah lately so m night if you're listening um first off tell me how to say your last name because i don't want to say it wrong and i rushed through it Shyamalan. um (laughs) i don't even know i just just, that's what people i've heard have said so i'm just gonna go with it i've only ever read it on twitter and second um if you guys are on twitter we're also on twitter we're fully on twitter are we oh yeah we're fully on. I'm way too much on Twitter on our account. Okay. So come hang out with me and Nicole by proxy because I send her all the good stuff. Yeah, I'm not a tweeter. A Twitterer? Twi- and twit? You're I'm not, not a twit. twit. Nope. You are a twat. I am a twat, yeah. but I'm not a twit. No. <laughs> and we'll talk about a beach that gets old, I guess. Makes you old? Yeah. It's just called sunshine. Use your retinol, ladies. Let's go. So, if you haven't been able to tell by now, we are talking about <laughs> the Fox sisters, which are... They're super old. <laughs> Some could say... Dead. Some could say they're dead. Yeah. Yeah. They stayed too long at the beach, and they done died. They're super dead. Uh-huh. So... Just a nice lead in there. If you have perfect, the perfect, smoothest, <laughs> seamless segue... It's a nice transition. If you haven't listened to our episode on seances, mm-hmm. it came out last week, I would say... This isn't a two-part by any means. No. But you might want to listen to it. Yeah, it's like a sister. Oh, like a, a sister. fox sister. Like a fox sister to the seance yeah. podcast. So today we so. will be talking about the fox sisters. Three girls uh, just doing you know, girly things. Just channeling the dead. Just uh, yeah. maybe starting a whole spiritual revolution. Uh, yeah, just a, a huge movement. Just like a, like a little religion, maybe, yeah. propped up around them. A little them. one. Like, who cares? One. So, uh, pleased to enjoy our episode on the Fox Sisters. All right. Well, we're getting right to it. So, I'm going to start. In December of 1847, the Fox family decided to move from their home in Rochester, New York, to a place called Hydesville in Wayne County, New York. The family planned to build a new life here, and it would also bring them closer to their son, David. The family had planned to build a home of their own, but due to extreme weather conditions, construction came to a halt, and the family was forced to rent a very small farmhouse to wait out the winter and continue construction once the weather cleared. John, a blacksmith, which is such an old-timey job. Um. Okay, so that's so funny, because I was reading about them, obviously, 
and I use a blacksmith every four weeks. You do? Because of my horse. <gasps> oh, yes. But that's not their full-time job, though, is it? Yeah. A pe- blacksmiths still do exist? Yeah. I use a blacksmith all the time. They make horseshoes. Wow. Yeah. I feel ignorant now. Ignant. Ignant. You just ignorant. I love it, though. I it's, love that you use a blacksmith. It's pretty old-timey. They're not called blacksmiths anymore. They're called oh. farriers now that, oh. that do horse feet. But there okay. are people that do it, like, recreationally, like, yeah. I don't know, like a run fair. Like, who doesn't love a fucking run Ooh, fair? Am I right? Love a run fair. Love a run love fair. It. So John the blacksmith and his wife Margaret had two young daughters, Catherine or Kate, who was 11, and Margaret or Maggie, who was 14. The place they were renting was extremely tiny, only having one bedroom with two beds, one for the parents to share and one for Kate and Maggie to share. Kate and Maggie were extremely close. They were best friends. They had to be. They shared a twin bed. (laughs) Exactly. They really only had each other because they were new to town and were living in a tiny cottage in the middle of the woods. Before the Fox family moved in, the house had a bit of a reputation for being haunted. People who lived there before them had reported strange noises, and some families were so frightened by these strange noises that they ended up vacating the house out of fear. Mm. The family lived in the house all winter without any issues. That is, until March came along. That's when the wrapping on the walls, the floor, and the furniture came every night just before bedtime, and the family could not figure out where these noises were coming from. What the parents didn't know was that there was nothing sinister or ghostly about these noises at all. In fact, the ghostly noises were coming from none other than Maggie and Kate themselves. Mm, The plot. She thickens. Dun dun. The girls wanted to prank their mother, so they would tie apples to strings and then pull the string up and down so the apple would fall and bounce off of the floor, creating the strange rapping noise that would wake their parents up. Also, creating applesauce. One of the most delightful treats anyone could ever eat. Delicious. I love a floor applesauce. <laughs> Delicious. Maggie is quoted as saying... When we went to bed at night, we used to tie an apple to a string and move the string up and down, causing the apple to bump on the floor. Or we would drop the apple on the floor, making a strange noise every time it it would rebound. Mother listened to this for a time. She would not understand it and did not suspect us as being capable of a trick because we were so young. And their dad the whole time, as dads do, was looking at a receipt for the Apple store. And he was like, what is this? Why is it so expensive? Where are all the apples? We're spending hundreds of dollars a month on apples. And I've never eaten an apple in my whole fucking life. And he's just doing that thing that dads do. What is this apple charge? (laughs) So mad. This quote from Maggie came from an interview that she gave to New York World 40 years later. So she basically confessed that Mm. they were... Spoiler! (laughs) They were doing it. Yeah. The girls also learned to make weird popping, cracking, and thumping noises throughout the house, but they never really revealed how they did that. In her interview, Maggie claimed that the popping or cracking noise they would produce was from the cracking of their knuckles of their toes. I'm not exactly sure how this worked, but... She claimed that they also made the sound by snapping their big and second toes, 
So sort of like when you snap your fingers, but with your toes. Can you do it? I tried it and definitely did not make a noise for me. So I don't know. Maybe there's like a trick to it. I can fully do this. Do it. I'm doing it too. Yeah. It's fucking sick, dude. We're the fucking fox sisters right now. Oh my god, we are fox sisters. Are we the right fucking now. fox sisters? We are. Let's be the wolf twins. <laughs> the wolf sisters. Meow. Well, apparently the girls taught themselves this toe snapping trick and got so good at it that they were even able to create the noise while standing and wearing socks and shoes. That's impressive. It's very impressive because we were both just barefoot, but I don't know if I could do that wearing a shoe. I definitely could not. (laughs) Mrs. Fox was terrified of these noises and she immediately fell under the impression that the house must be haunted. She was scared of two things. One, ghosts. Two, toes Mm, so it didn't matter what it was if it was her daughter's toes fucking horrifying (laughs) if it was a ghost even scarier scary she voiced this concern to her husband john and like always he told her she was crazy and there was nothing to worry about so i'm gonna sidebar really hard for a minute here because this reminds me of something that my sister and i used to do oh my god tell me and it is my favorite story of my sister probably ever also shout out to collie hey girl shout out to colleen so when we were little we would always be forced to go to bed before my younger brother because we were in school and he wasn't yet and my parents just like let him stay up whatever and it pissed us off because he was younger than us Uh so we thought that we should be able to stay up too anyways So my sister got this bead kit, like, (laughs) sort of like a bracelet-making kit for her birthday, and it had Uh something crazy like 10,000 beads. So what we would do is we would run downstairs while we – after we should have already been in bed with a handful of beads, and we would throw the beads into the kitchen so they would make a noise – And so that our little brother would hear it and think that there was, I don't know, like a ghost or something in the kitchen. And then we would run away really quick so he couldn't see us. Well, one time we threw the beads and then we ran away and nothing happened. So we were like, let's go back and do it again. So we came back to do it again. And when we came back, my little brother was waiting for us. And he started screaming like, Mom, Dad, I knew it was you. Ha ha, I found you. Ha ha. And as he's doing this, my sister, who Uh you know, she's very shy. Uh She's not violent at all. No, no, no. So as he's like screaming for my parents, she cocks back her arm. No. Just punches him straight in the nose. Colleen. And he just started wailing and we like didn't know what to do. So we just ran away, ran to our beds, pretended we were sleeping. But it honestly is probably the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen her do. Oh my God. Can you picture it still? I can picture it to this day. Amazing. Yeah. And we bring it up all of the time. Like even still like as adults. Yeah. Cause, just because it's fucking hilarious. It's so funny because Colleen is so quiet and just yeah. like nice. And she just punched him straight in the face. <laughs> it, it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> but anyways, we ran and we pretended we were sleeping. And I actually don't think we got in trouble, but. Well, it was a ghost. Yeah. We, yeah. we had a little fox sister in us. But That's so cute. Anyways. All right. Back to the story. So the girls decided that they wanted to escalate their prank a little more. So on March 31st, 1848, the eve of April Fool's Day, the youngest, Kate, decided she wanted to try a little experiment. So she decided to respond to the mysterious wrappings. 
After the rapping sound began, Kate addressed the noise and said, Mr. Splitfoot, do as I do. Because Mr. Splitfoot was the nickname that the girls had given the ghost. It's also a nickname for the devil, because the devil is often depicted as having cloven hooves. So, get it? Like a split in half. Split foot. But I will say that this goes back to that thing that I can't remember was a movie or not. This is going to be so convoluted. You're going to fucking love it. I'm going to see if I can guess it. I think it's The Conjuring, and I think we talked about this a few episodes ago, where Mm -hmm. um, it was like the house. They lived in a... It used to be a funeral home, and there the were all the coffins. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> See, our haunting in Connecticut, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. When the yeah. kid's sick and yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's like cancer or whatever. Yeah. So Virginia Madsen's there. Yes, fully. Yes, <laughs> yes, a hundred percent. So in the true story of that, um, the one the kid says that there's two ghosts. There's like one that's super tall and then the, there's one that's like short and fat mm-hmm. and their feet are constantly moving except sometimes the fat one, like the short, like chunky guy, mm-hmm. his feet stop moving and it's like a human foot, but it's split down the middle. Oof. And I could not stop picturing this. And I truly, when I say that this haunts my dreams, this I'm movie not does? lying to you. No, this man's like split. Oh, the split. Feet. I've never seen this in real life. You know, it's just like a thing I read one time, like 10 fucking years ago. Oh, you've ago. never even seen the movie? No, I saw the movie. Oh. It's fine. But they don't show that in the movie. Oh. But I just, sometimes I picture like a human foot that's like split down the <laughs> middle and it grosses me the fuck out. So when I was reading Mr. Splitfoot, it was freaking me out so much so that I had to stop it? recording. Like I had or I had to stop um, researching. researching. I had to like take a break and be like, I don't think about Mr. Splitfoot anymore. Take a lab. Take a lab. Dude, ghosts bother me more than anything in the whole wide world. I don't understand. I don't, I don't like why. it. Anyways, Kate asked the spirit to do as she did. So she snapped her fingers four times and asked that Mr. Splitfoot respond back. To which the Fox family heard four raps back. Then Maggie decided to get in on the fun. So she clapped her hand four times. And in return, four knocks followed. (laughs) This went on a few more times and proved to the family that the ghost in their house was intelligent and was actually communicating back to them. This would be kind of fun, though. Yeah, for sure. It's like a like playing with a Ouija board without the Ouija board. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mrs. Fox was visibly upset by this new discovery, and Kate, feeling bad, even suggested that maybe someone was playing a prank on them because the next day was April Fool's Day, but Mrs. Fox refused to believe it. She believed it to be a ghost and decided to see for herself, so she asked the ghost to count to ten which it did. She then started asking questions like, how many children do I have? How many are still alive? What are their ages? And each time she asked, the ghost answered correctly. And then she was like, how many children does my husband have? And the ghost counted two more than how many she had. And she looked him in the eye and she was like, you have something to tell me? You have something to fucking tell me right now? And it was this huge argument. It was Mm. honestly very exhausting. She then asked the spirit if it was injured, and if so, to make two raps, to which it did. 
This prompted Mrs. Fox to want to know more about the spirit, so she asked who the spirit was in life. Maggie and Kate quickly came up with the lie that the spirit was a 31-year-old married man and a father of five kids who had been dead for two years. Wow, 31-year-old man. That's ancient. (laughs) At this point, Mrs. Fox was just amazed, and she asked the ghost if it would continue to respond if she went out and got some neighbors to witness the phenomenon. So she runs out, and she gets a woman named Mary Redfield, who starts asking the spirit questions about her own life. When the spirit responds accurately, Mary then goes out to get more neighbors to witness this crazy event. Think about how exciting that would be. I would be be super fucking cool. I'd be so scared and also so excited, but mostly scared. I would just be really excited. I know. And by then, word has spread about this rapping spirit and a crowd of people form around the house at night, hoping to witness this strange occurrence. One of these witnesses comes up with the code, giving each letter of the alphabet a number so that the spirit can start spelling out actual words, which is actually a method that the girls took with them and would use later on. Everything is all fun and games until the girls dig themselves a little too deep. During these sessions with the neighbors and all of their questions, the girls come up with a name for the spirit and also with a little backstory as well. In West Philadelphia, he was born and raised. On the playground was where he spent most <laughs> of his days. Okay. He was chilling out, maxing, just like relaxing, all cool. Totally fine. Um, sometimes he'd shoot b-ball outside of school. But then... Well, then there were a couple of guys and they were up yeah. to no good. They started making trouble in the neighborhood. He had one little fight and his mom got scared. And she was like, you're moving with your auntie and uncle in Bel Air. And that, the rest is history. <laughs> I mean, that's his backstory that they came up with. And honestly, everyone believed it. Well, that's not exactly true. They came up with a different backstory. <laughs> oh, wait, what? I thought you were saying rapping. So I... Well, the girls did rap out the spirit's real name. And the Will name... <laughs> the name that they came up with was not Will Smith. Okay, okay. But instead was Charles B. Rosna, who they said was a peddler who was murdered five years prior and had been buried in the basement of the farmhouse that they were currently living in. Was he raised in West Philadelphia? That's unclear. Okay. okay. We don't really know. He could be. Maybe East Philly? East, somewhere in Philadelphia. Definitely. He was definitely from Philadelphia. (laughs) This kind of spirit, definitely from Philadelphia. Born and raised. The townsfolk were so convinced that this story that the girls had made up was true, that they decided that they were going to excavate the cellar to see if they could find any remains. Apparently, they actually did, but due to heavy spring rains and a creek nearby that had flooded, the excavation pit was filled with water, which halted the process and made it even more difficult to try to find the bones. Can you fucking imagine you make up this story with your sister? And then it goes way too far, and it starts getting excavated, and then they yeah. fucking find bones? Well, you have to, like, also, they were like, well, shit, what do we do? You just have to continue the you gotta own at it. that point. <laughs> at that point, you've, you're in too deep. You're in too you're deep. You're too fucking deep, You just gotta deep, keep dude. going. You die with this secret. Yeah. In the end, they apparently found some bones, but it was 1848, and 
I don't think they had them tested to see if they were human or animal, so we don't really know. Yeah, the only test at the time was, like, the local farmer bit the bone, and he was like, yep, bone. It tastes like a bone. Definitely bone. And that's all, that's all it was. Exactly. Very unhelpful. Also, no one could find a missing persons report for a man named Charles B. Rosna, so it was kind of like, uh, is this true? But that, however, did not stop the townsfolk for just, like, straight up going for blood. And in an interview, Maggie said that the neighbors were convinced that someone had been murdered in the house. They asked the spirits through us about it, and we would wrap one for the spirit to answer yes and two for no. The murder, they concluded, must have been committed in the house. They went over the whole surrounding country trying to get the names of people who had formerly lived in the house. This would be so fucking stressful because I truly feel like this is something that you and I would do. Where, like, Mm -hmm. we would come up with, like, a minor lie as, like, kind of a bit or, like, a joke or something. And it would just, like, spiral extravagantly. Yeah. And then we wouldn't, like, be able to let it go. And then all of a sudden, like, the (laughs) FBI is involved or some shit. And we're just like, you gotta roll with it. You gotta fucking roll with it. And we just never let it go. Right. This feels fully like something that would happen. Something that we would do. 100%. (laughs) Like, remember the the dead dog story to get out of swimming? Yeah. I, that was a part of me for the rest of that year. (laughs) It had to be. Had to. And this just, honestly, as an eccentric person, this feels like something that would fully fucking happen to us. Yeah. So I have complete sympathy with these girls. For sure. That people sure. are truly investigating something that they made up. <laughs> they just made up. I would fucking shit my pants every day this happened. Yeah. Well, finally, they found a man by the name of Bell. That's the only thing I could come up with. No first name, just Bell. And they said that this poor, innocent man had committed a murder in the house and that the noises had come from the spirit of the murdered person. But, as we know, that's not true because the girls made it up. Yeah, no one died in the house. So poor Belle was shunned and looked upon by the whole community as a murderer. I feel very bad for Belle. They also fucking ruined Belle's life. Yeah, they basically just blamed this man for murdering someone without any proof. And he was shunned by his community for the rest of his life because of this lie, which sucks big time. But, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. Girls will be girls. Word about the house and the sisters who could communicate with the dead spread throughout the community, and people were coming from all over to see the farmhouse and the sisters who could speak to the ghosts inside of it. Many people were impressed with this ability that the sisters seemed to have, but others regarded them as tricksters or even witches, and the family was actually asked to leave the Methodist Episcopal Church because the minister believed the girls to be unholy. Wow. You know, I was thinking about this also when we were doing our research, that if this had been even like a hundred years prior to this, because mm-hmm. this is like the mid-1800s. Like, yeah, late 1800s. They fully would have been charged as witches. Oh, for sure. Which is insane to me. Mm-hmm. And now, if this had happened... They'd just be like TikTok famous. <laughs> exactly. The girls started performing seances, and through their pranks and trickery, one of the greatest religious movements of the 19th century was born. Kate and Maggie Fox's story was publicized in a local newspaper, 
And by chance, their oldest sister, who was 33 and divorced at the time, Leah Fox, happened to read it. So, of course, she went to visit her family to see what the hell was going on. The two younger Foxes then moved back to Rochester, which was considered a big city at the time, for their own safety, which scare quotes around the word safety, because the whole family was like, it's too dangerous here for you. Someone was murdered in this house. The ghost is trying to talk to you. Let's just get you out of this zone and into somewhere safer. So it was safety for them to get away from the ghosts and not from the crazy people trying to contact them or like wanting their services? Yeah, basically. They're like, we're just going to remove you from the situation, send you back to Rochester where you're safe. And the girls were like, okay, we fucking made all this up. (laughs) Sure. Okay. Let's live in the big city. Again. And actually, this was Leah, their again, their oldest sister. This was her idea. She had recently read a book called The Divine Principles of Nature, which is written by medium and seer Andrew Jackson Davis, the whitest, most serial killer name I have ever read in my life. This book was based on the 18th century teachings by mystic, theologian, and scientist Emanuel Swedenborg, who claimed that the material world was only the shadow of a spiritual universe. Mm. I am fucking obsessed with this guy's ideals. I kind of love that, too. And I love his last name. Swedenborg. Emanuel Swedenborg? What is this? It's like the fucking Swedish chef, but he also is super into, like, theology? (laughs) Is he single? I don't know. He's probably dead right now. It's like the 18th century. Yeah, definitely dead. Super dead. But his ideas are very cool. He believed that the dead were in daily contact with the living, but they did not know that they were dead. Oh. Yeah, dude. Exactly, exactly like, like when Bruce Willis was dead at the end of Six Sense. Oh my god, yes, dude. It was exactly like that, okay? Uh, spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen that movie yet. The movie came out 25 <laughs> years ago. You never know. He believed that one day a door would open to the spirit world and the living world to kind of just make like one plane where the dead would exist among us cool yeah super fucking cool dude oh my god his ideas are so so cool if you have any interest in this spirit world situation highly recommend looking up emmanuel swedenborg in his book so leah was understandably obsessed with this idea yeah me too. I mean, it's the mid-1800s. She's reading this, like, highly enlightened stuff. I would be so into it, right? Yeah. So she's obsessed with this idea. And she thought that this is what was happening at her parents' farmhouse. She oh. thought some sort of portal was opening and the spirit world was coming into contact with humans. Okay. Leah was also regarded as very clever and very entrepreneurial, And she saw a life path laid out in front of her when she heard this news. Mm, Girl boss. Mm -hmm. Hashtag girl boss. She would help her sisters rise to fame as mediums. Leah was very encouraging towards her sisters and their ability to communicate with the spirit world. She would even host seances in her own home with the leadership of her medium sisters. Anyone could be a guest at one of these seances. As long as you paid the $1 entry fee, which, of course, I looked up. Mm-hmm. And it's equivalent to $32 in today's money. Holy shit. It sounds like a lot. 
I would fucking pay that to go to a seance. But back then, I feel like $32 was like your rent for the month. So much. But I did look it up and Rochester was a pretty well-to-do area. Mm. So I don't think it was super outrageous to them. Not for the richies. Yeah. Like, do you ever like get like an oat milk, like double espresso latte and it's like $18? I hate oat milk. Okay. Wow. (laughs) I'm learning a lot about you right now. Yeah. I hate it. Super hate it. Well, I support you because cow milk is so much cheaper. It's so much better, too. It's all right. The most important thing here is that you put cream and sugar in your coffee because if you drink it black, you wake up and you choose hatred. Yeah. Every fucking morning. Not bad for you. Yeah. Do you have any joy in your life? Probably not. Definitely not. Yeah. What do you just drink like sludge water in the morning? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Sewage water. <laughs> Why are you unhappy? Please go to Who Hurt You? www.whohurtyou. Please tell the Quite Unusual podcast because we honestly want to know and try to make your life a little bit better. Backslash, backslash, I only drink black coffee in the mornings.org and we'll help you. We got you. Word spread about the sisters and their innate ability to communicate with the dead. Two leaders of the local Quaker community named Amy and Isaac Post invited the sisters into their home for a private seance. The couple was immediately blown away by the answers that the girls were receiving in the form of knocks. I was going, I was going to say rappings, like how you were. It's funny, right? Yeah, but I can't do it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> all the, also, all the websites refer to it as rappings, yeah. but I can't stop thinking about Will Smith. And like, <laughs> so it's like, in my mind, I'm picturing a ghost that's also a rapper. And it, it was making me laugh out loud because I picture like, Seriously, like a sideways, like adjustable baseball hat and like an outfit that would fully fit into like the Welcome to Miami theme, like like music videos and shit. Yeah. So anyways, I'm going to call it knockings because otherwise I will giggle way too much and no one needs that because it's honestly very annoying. Well, every time you say knocking, I'm just going to think rapping. So <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> All right. So the main reason that the posts wanted the Fox sisters to do a private seance was to communicate with their recently deceased daughter. The sisters relayed messages from the post daughter so specifically and so accurately to what the girl would have said that the posts were instant believers that this was real. This is a quote from Isaac post. He said, I suppose I went with as much unbelief as Thomas felt when he was introduced to Jesus after he had ascended. Okay. I have no fucking clue what that means. I don't either. Or who Thomas is. And honestly, who's Jesus? Because I don't. he's just bringing up all these people that I don't know. Nine pound, eight ounce, baby Jesus. Yeah, he's talking about a baby right now? <laughs> kind of weird, right? So Isaac wrote that he was swayed by, quote, very distinct thumps under the floor and several apparent answers. So there's all this rapping on the floor, which we've already debunked by, like, doing our sick little toe snapping. The apple trick, yeah. Yeah, just, like, throwing apples on the ground. like (laughs) Just rolling them. No one sees it. (laughs) No one sees it. Um, And it totally persuades the posts. The posts were what you would consider radical Quakers. Uh, what does that mean? Well, okay, so like, like instead a of radical Quaker, yeah, so like instead of eating like a plain like Quaker oatmeal, mm. they put cinnamon and brown sugar. Arguably the best oatmeal flavor yeah. in the instant oatmeal packages. Yeah, dude, like they weren't regular Quakers, 
They were cool Quakers. Mm, okay. Yeah. Seriously, though, uh, what a radical Quaker, I guess, would be considered would be someone that believed in reform, um, the abolition of slavery. Oh, okay. Women's rights. Oh, yes. Yeah, they thought women should be equal to men, which yes. was, like, unfucking heard of we at love the time. Those. We love all of those things. Yeah. All the things that um, are still weirdly taboo. Yeah, to this day. You uh-huh. know, you would think, like, I don't know. Hundreds of years later. In the year of our fucking Satan, 2021, (laughs) we're still talking about reform and like, uh, you know, whatever. Quality. Are we radical Quakers? (laughs) I do love brown sugar and a little cinnamon action. It's my favorite flavor in the instant oatmeal packages, so. You heard it here first. We're radical Quakers. (laughs) I guess we are. (laughs) So these two were the foundation of the spiritual movement, along with the Fox sisters, who sort of guided the way. Starting at the very moment that they communicated with their dead daughter through Maggie and Kate Fox, the spiritual movement was born. As the Fox sisters' fame grew, the girls started performing more seances than ever, and they were always hosted by Leah. Sometimes Maggie would lead, Other times, it was only Kate who would lead, and on very special occasions, both sisters would lead the seance together, again, always oversaw by Leah. Hmm. Guests of the seance would sit around a table, they would hold hands, recite a poem or usually a prayer, and then the medium would fall into a trance, and the knocking would begin. We go into a lot of really great detail about what a seance is like in our seances episode, which, Mm -hmm. again, it came out last week. So if you want to learn, like, more than you ever thought you needed to know about a seance, yeah, go listen to that. Mm-hmm. You're, I promise it's it's very good. It's very fun. It's a good first episode leading into this episode. Yeah, like a sweet, we'll call it, or yeah. something. I don't know. Yeah. Like a prequel? Prequel. Yeah, the prequel, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is like the after party. It's like, that was the party. And this is like the after party. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. On November 14th of 1849... At the behest of Amy and Isaac Post, the Corinthian Hall in Rochester, New York, was the site of the very first large-scale public seance led by the two Fox sisters. So, John Edwards, if you're listening, which we know you are, John, (laughs) you should go thank the Fox sisters for giving birth to the paid public spiritualism event. Yeah, he really owes them basically everything. He honestly does. Yeah. Yeah, I would even go as far to say like Joel Osteen does as well. (laughs) Oh, for sure. All day, For sure. The theater's 400 seats were sold out at a ticket price of 25 cents a seat. The event was extremely successful. The girls would sit in the middle of the stage as their spirit friend knocked out answers to the girls' questions. The audience was absolutely speechless. That is, until after the first show when an angry mob demanded proof that the girls were not lying. And the girls looked at each other and they were like, we're not lying, right? We're totally not lying. I'm not lying. This is all real. This is like 100% real. They were super sweaty, but it was the 1800s and there wasn't deodorant, so they totally passed. Like, it was Mm -hmm. fine. The girls were taken to a room behind the stage, and they were forced to undress. What? Yep. Naked. How does that prove anything? Well, they wanted to prove that they were not hiding a secret device to create the knocking noises under their clothing. And when nothing was found, the shows were continued. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Casual. Yeah, they're just like, hey, children, get naked. 
let's prove that you're not like holding a hammer i don't even know what are you 12 take your dress off take it all off that's you're an adult now i fucking guess so dude gross when the first show began the questions asked by the audience were relatively benign like what would the stock market do um i don't know like does joni really love chachi (laughs) joni loves chachi (laughs) just like stuff like that then as each night of the four night event went on the audience began to ask more deeply personal questions questions about religion and the afterlife and sort of what happens and i don't know maybe is god real that sort of stuff yeah and that didn't sit well with a lot of people more investigations were made but still nothing was found the crowd started getting very very angry though there was a barrel of hot tar found under a stairway, which was going to be used to tar and feather the girls. These are like preteen teenagers. Baby children. Yes. That they're going to dip into hot tar and put feathers all over. Wow. Yes. But luckily, this was stopped before it could ever happen. Because it's really hard to like hide a giant barrel Jug full of, of tar. tar. Yeah. You can't, like, sneak that under a trench coat. Barrel o tar. <laughs> Gross. There was also a threat to kidnap Maggie, but what's not Kate? I wonder if Kate felt left out a little well, bit. Well, Maggie was the older one, so maybe they were like, we're going to go for the older one because the other one's, like, 12. So. Yeah, but we still need her to get naked. <laughs> yeah. So just to That's fine. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. But we'll, we won't kidnap her. So this threat was intercepted by the police, and luckily, she didn't get kidnapped. One night, firecrackers were lit in the back of the auditorium, and the whole auditorium filled up with smoke, while a group of men rushed the stage to do God knows fucking what to these girls. Grown-ass men trying to intimidate teenage girls. Yeah, that never happens now, though. No, No. never. Uh -uh, Never, ever. Police whisked the girls away, which honestly probably saved their lives. Yeah, good job. After this, the girls went to New York City, where the sisters booked a suite at Barnum's Hotel, which I looked up. I was really hoping it was owned by P.T. Barnum. Mm. It was like his weird shady cousin that owned it. Probably just got like a couple dollars from like his cousin and was like invested in this weird hotel. Yeah, yeah. Like you got to get that like circus money. You know what I mean? (laughs) And he, like, bought a hotel with it. Mm. They booked a suite there to stay for a while, and they held sessions in the hotel's parlor, with up to 30 guests at a time gathering around a large table daily at one of three shows. You could either attend the 10 a.m. show, the 5 p.m. show, or the 8 p.m. show. Mm. They also held private seances in between these shows, charging $1 per ticket. While the Fox sisters were thriving in the spiritualism world, the skeptics were trying to disprove their ability as mediums, but for now, spiritualism prevailed. In the 19th century, the religious spiritualism movement took off. The spiritualism movement is basically the belief that living people can communicate with the souls of the departed, or basically just talking to the dead. Yeah, like, have you ever seen that show Medium with Patricia Arquette? Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 a spiritualism spiritualism movement. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, like in a nutshell. Yeah. In order to do this, though, many thought that you needed the help of a medium or a person who was able to contact the spirits. And if you've been paying attention to this episode at all... I fucking hope you have. I, I really hope you have. 
Kate and Maggie both claimed to be mediums. And if you listened to last week's episode on seances, you know all about the type of communication method and all about the people who falsely claimed to be able to speak to the dead. I want to do this. You want to pretend like you can speak to the dead and cheat people out of their money? Yeah. By throwing apples at floors? Yeah. Yeah, you want to know this? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's fucking do it. Let's fucking do it. Shit. Wait, maybe you should like delete should I take that. this part out of the episode. Yeah, don't put so that. Don't so, publish that for the whole okay. world to hear. Bloopers, Patreon bloopers. Die. We can trust our patrons. Oh yeah, we trust them. Patrons. Yeah. If I'll cut you in, we'll cut you in. And we'll cut you in. You guys want it? Can you guys be fucking cool? But really, the start of the spiritualism movement can be traced all the way back to Hydesville, New York, and the Fox Sisters. Spiritualism really took off from 1848 well into the 1920s, mostly in English-speaking countries. In 1897, spiritualism had more than 8 million followers in the U.S. and Europe and consisted of people mostly from the middle and upper class. Spiritualism thrived as a religion without ever creating any canonical texts or formal organization. Spiritualism is a religion, but the movement never really organized the church. Spiritualists mostly met in private homes to perform seances together or at lecture halls for trance lectures. That sounds cool. Which sounds fucking awesome. Also sounds like a lot of people closed their eyes and a pickpocket came in and robbed them. (laughs) Honestly, that's probably what happened, to be honest. (laughs) I would do that too. Conventions and summer camps were held for spiritualists all over the world and were attended by thousands of people. We actually briefly talked about this in our last episode as well. Um, Some of these camps are still around today, like the one that I brought up last episode, Wanawak in Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. Also, Camp Etna in Maine and Lilydale in New York. I want to go to Lilydale so fucking bad, dude. But just to name a few, so these camps started way back in the 19th century, and they still continue them today. However, spiritualism associations started popping up, and then eventually a nationwide organization called the National Spiritualist Association. The NSA. Later known as the National Spiritualist Association of Churches. Right, because they couldn't call it the NSA. This was formed in 1893. Spiritualism itself doesn't really have a defined set of rules, though a Declaration of Principles was created in 1899 and 1944, and then was actually revised in 2004 by the National Spiritualist Association of Churches, I guess. Yeah, because it's not the NSA. (laughs) In the UK, the main spiritualism organization is the Spiritualists National Union, or the SNU. They prefer to be called the SNU. The SNU. Yeah, SNU. Members of the movement published several periodicals throughout the 19th century, which helped keep the movement going. By 1880, there were three dozen monthly spiritualist periodicals published all around the world. Each periodical had its own view on things, some being more Christian-influenced and conservative, while others focused more on the scientific perspective of the movement. 
interest in the supernatural grew in popularity during this time as well, which you could see through various literary works that started to come out around the time. Yeah, there's actually this play. I can't think of when when it was originally written, but they not that long ago made it into a movie. So highly, I think it was like, I think it came out last year, actually. Really? Um, yeah. Oh my God. It's so, it's so fun. I love when they turn a play into a movie and you can totally tell because there's only like two different sets. Yeah. So it's like super simple to follow. Yeah, yeah. It's called Blythe Spirit. Oh, I've never heard of this. Oh my God. It's so fun, dude. It has, um, uh, Leslie Mann, Judd Apatow's wife. Oh yeah. Love her. Isla like Fisher. Love oh, her. Uh, yeah. Judy fan. Dench. Can't go wrong. Duh. Right? So it's sort of along the lines. It's set, I want to say it's in like the 20s, maybe 40s. It's like a flapper-esque oh, situation. Okay. Yeah. And it's like, um, not to give a spoiler here, but like someone dies and then they don't know they're dead. And mm. it's just, it's super fun. And it totally lines up with this. And it just seems like a total spiritualist, like comedy part of this whole ecosystem that was popping up. The entire movement was also extremely individualistic. Like I said, there weren't basically any rules and really no text telling people what to do. So many people just relied on what they read and learned on their own and then took what they learned and did whatever they wanted. Yeah, like they're, like the first rule of spiritualism <laughs> was definitely talk about spiritualism. Yeah. yeah. And then the second rule was really talk about spiritualism. Yeah. And also take a bar of soap. They are free. They're complimentary. <laughs> Just take one. Majority of popular spiritualists were women. And most people who followed the religion were very forward thinking, supporting the abolition of slavery and women's suffrage. Yeah, dude. So, so sick. Mm -hmm. Like totally progressive. Yeah. Many spoke out against the spiritualism movement, and people were sometimes met with mob violence, like we saw with the poor two adolescent yeah, girls. With the freaking tar and feathering? <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. They're like, get these children! Right. This was mostly because churches equated the spiritualism movement with witchcraft Ugh. and claimed that necromancy was being performed, so they just automatically condemned it. Honestly, Let's do it. Let's freaking necromance. You want romance? I want necromance. necromance. We're not the same. Through the spiritualism movement, psychic research became more popular as well. And if you listened to last week's episode, you know that very famous and prominent people in the scientific community were extremely interested in this communication with the dead. And some even believed it 100%. Oh, fully believed. Like, what was his name? Sir Arthur Conan Doyle? He was, like, mm -hmm. the number one supporter. Yeah. In, yeah, fully. Alexander Graham Bell. Oh, yeah. ahoy hoy. He loved it. Mm -hmm. After the 1920s, the spiritualism movement sort of took a backseat. That is until it enjoyed a rebirth in the 1970s with the New Age movement. New Age mediums claimed to contact many different kinds of entities from Ascended Masters. That's capitalized, Nicole. Which is actually just spirits who are believed to guide humans to their destiny. Whoa. They also believed in ghosts and even aliens. Okay, well, this is going to be the background of our cult. Yeah. And to this day, we still see the influence of spiritualism in many different beliefs. I just really feel like 
um, when we do start a cult. When we do? It's not if we do, it's when. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when we get like the paperwork sorted out, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, We should really lean into this ascended masters situation. Right. Sounds very cool. Some spirit guides to guide us to our destiny. Got to. Love it. I don't even have MapQuest anymore. I don't even think it's a website. Just have your spirit master, ascended master. (laughs) Who even knows? We're, We're such bad cult leaders. We'll write it down for the call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I bet you're wondering what became of the Fox sisters, because last we heard, they were almost getting tarred and feathered, and then they ran away to New York City. Yeah. Well, Leah kind of cleaned up. She married a wealthy and very successful Wall Street banker. Mm. Get it, girl? Good for her. She began to hold seances in her house by herself in New York. Okay. And she kind of lived into obscurity until her death in 1890. Love that for her. Honestly, yeah, dude. Mm -hmm. Maggie met an Arctic explorer named Alicia Kane in 1852 in Philadelphia. West Philadelphia. Born and raised. He was on a playground and she... Where she spent most of her days. Wow. It was just fate. Kismet. And it was just love. Yeah. Actually, they met at one of her shows. Oh. Um, Yeah, they did like this crazy... In West Philadelphia, though? Maybe. (laughs) So they did this crazy tour of the Northeast, and he happened to be there. The two married shortly after they met. What is so cool about Elisha Kane is that he was convinced that both Maggie and Kate were 110% committing fraud at the direction of leah so he married maggie to quote save her Uh, from a light of barf from a life of quote dreary sameness and suspected deceit yeah he was a huge skeptic and he met her and like locked eyes and he's like i'm gonna marry you he's like i can be your hero baby and she was like I'm just gonna talk to ghosts. Oh, yeah. And then somehow they fell in love. And he's like, I don't like the ghost thing. And she's like, I don't give a fuck. (laughs) That's right. But actually, she did give a fuck because he convinced Maggie to give up spiritualism altogether. (gasps) No. Yeah, dude. Never give up spiritualism for a guy. Never change yourself for a man. (sighs) The ghosts are here for you. The guys, not so much. No. Mm -mm. He also convinced Maggie to go back to school. On his dime, of course, because she's like, well, who's going to pay for it? Because it's oh, not going to well, be me. Well, that's the least he can do. That's right. So he paid for it. And he constantly tried to convince her to convert to Roman Catholicism. <sighs> because he thought that she might like the symbolism. Mm, nope. Yeah, not great. Good. She did give up spiritualism until her husband died in 1857. He died of two consecutive strokes. Shit. Yeah, I was reading a bio on this guy, and he was, like, out of this world unhealthy. He got, like, consumption. He got, like, fucking cholera. He got what he called the plague. I don't know what that was. He's just... He was so fucking unhealthy, and he was a quote-unquote explorer, and he just, like, went to all these places and got super fucking sick and then had to go home. But he only ever went to, like, two places because... Yeah, because he was so sick. He's just always so sick all the time. <laughs> yeah, and everyone's like, oh, poopy Alicia's coming. He's, he's always got fucking cholera. I don't want to hang out with this guy. <laughs> yeah. So he was um, sick all the time, so he went to Cuba to try to heal himself, and he ended up having back-to-back strokes. 
Consumption cane. Consumption cane. Consumption cane. Yeah, they spelled That's what they um, called it. They spelled consumption with a K, so he <laughs> he felt cool at least. <laughs> so after his death, Maggie again vowed to never ever be a medium in honor of her husband. Bark. Yeah. Almost immediately after he died, though, like I'm gonna say, like uh, I don't know, speculation, but maybe like a fucking week or something. <laughs> she's like, yeah. Have you seen my crystal ball? And also, oh. where's my sister, Kate? She went back to it? Oh, dude, she immediately went right back to Hell mediumship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maggie was, however, said to be so upset at the death of her husband that she began to drink heavily every single day. Oh. In the meantime, Kate was living her life, dude. She continued to develop her psychic powers. She traveled to England in 1871 to perform seances. Hmm. And get this, her trip was paid for by a wealthy New York banker, <clears throat> Sugar Daddy, um, <laughs> where she began doing readings and holding seances for the wealthy and prominent of London at the time. Nice. In 1872, Kate married a devout spiritualist, which I, I, I'm here for that. Support it. Get it, girl. He was also a banker. He was also a barrister, which is like a lawyer, basically. Mm-hmm. And he was a scholar. A gentleman and a scholar. That's right. He mm. owned a plethora of leather-bound oh. books. Did his apartment smell of a rich mahogany? In Konya. <laughs> his name was H.D. Jenkin, which I'd like to think that H.D. probably stands for... What do we think H.D. stands for? Harold Jenkins. Hey, dude. <laughs> hey, dude. Hey, dude, Jenkin. Hey, dude, Jenkins. Yeah, I'd like to think that H.D. definitely stands for... Hey, dude. Jenkins. Yeah. I like it. I'm here for it. Yeah. And they had two sons named Harry and Houdini. No, they didn't. No, they were not named <laughs> Harry and Houdini, but they did have two sons. I wasn't able to find their names. So you just made up two. <laughs> yeah. You just made up the most ridiculous <laughs> thing you could come up with? No, those are nice names. Harry and Houdini. If I had twin sons, I would name them Harry and Houdini. How do you not? I feel really bad for Houdini. <laughs> <laughs> Harry can slide right by, but Houdini, man, he's going to have a rough time in school. No, he likes it. <laughs> Who? Houdini? He likes it. In 1876, Maggie went to England to live with Kate, where they continued to hone their craft. Maggie was a much more talented medium, though. She had the ability to communicate two messages simultaneously. That's right. Not one, but two messages. Mm. Call now. You get the second message for free. She would write one while speaking the other and doing this super cool trick where she would hold up a blank card and then all of a sudden words would appear out of thin air written on the card. What? It's kind of sick, dude. How? We'll talk about it later. Okay. Mm -hmm. She also had the ability to summon full apparitions uh, in the form of those weird-ass ectoplasm people. A Katie King situation? Yeah. So basically it was like a person under a sheet with like a weird (laughs) mask on. And she'd be like, oh, a a spirit is is coming forth. Why did anyone think that was real ever? Especially if you could touch them. I'd be like, that's just a person. Like under a fucking, their face (laughs) is drawn with like a marker. No, I'm a ghost. I don't believe you. You're wearing Converse. What are you doing? Fucking ghost, believe me, bitch. (laughs) Okay, whatever. Here's my $32. (laughs) She even supposedly talked to Benjamin Franklin. What? That's right. And his message was, by my almanac, fuck Daniel Leeds, that Jersey <laughs> devil. 
And after the Civil War, he you... was a petty little bitch. We, yeah. we already know that. Oh, yeah. If you guys don't get that, please listen to the Jersey Devil episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so during and after the Civil War, Maggie's popularity grew as a place for families of fallen soldiers to contact lost loved ones which is kind of nice yeah i feel like that's half of like being a medium is giving comfort to people yeah i think that's like 75 percent of it okay, i would say well, whatever yeah probably i'm gonna go 75 on this right. one okay you can what's, go the 50. Other, what's the other 25 percent cool outfits. flair yeah <laughs> <laughs> definitely just like pageantry yes for sure <laughs> well speaking of pageantry her seances were huge spectacles like full-on share-level performances. She had elaborate costumes, sometimes costume changes. I like to Mm. picture a lot of plumes. Okay. There had to be at least one plume, right? Definitely one. Oh, a minimum. Yeah. She had all these cool props. She had, obviously, ectoplasm people. Mm. And then also a very steep price tag came along with all this pageantry because, honey, sequins... They're not cheap. Mm-mm. They're not cheap. Each not when you got to hand sew all them bitches on that costume, That's let me right. tell you. And all of this began to weigh on her, so she, too, began to drink very heavily. Mm. On October 21st, 1888, the New York World published an interview with Maggie Fox in anticipation of her appearance that evening at the New York Academy of Music. She was paid $1,500, which is equivalent to $43,000 Holy shit. Mm -hmm. Get it, girl. For an exclusive interview where she would publicly denounce spiritualism. (gasps) Mm -hmm. I feel like she could have asked for more money. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Because they started the fucking movement, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maggie's sister, Leah, had been publicly talking shit about her drinking. And she told the press that Maggie was, quote, an unfit mother to Harry and Houdini. <laughs> to Harry and Houdini? Yeah, dude. God, Poor like Houdini. Everyone... <laughs> he can't catch a break. Everyone thought Harry was going to be fine, but they were honestly so fucking worried about Houdini. <laughs> like, he kept disappearing. They did not know where he was. They'd it find was... him, like, tied in, like, a bunch of ropes, like, at the top of a tree or something. They'd so like, upsetting. Houdini, how did you get there? He's like, I'm going to make this statue disappear in front of 10,000 live studio audiences. Like, we don't even, the, what statue, what is a live studio audience? This is the 1800s. Take it down a notch. He finds the nearest pond and just puts his head in it and just refuses to come up. Yeah. And Maggie was so drunk, she didn't even care. <laughs> She's like, whatever, I got two of them. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know how she was as a mother. <laughs> Harry's the golden child, anyways. Well, I mean, the other one's name was fucking Houdini. Like, <laughs> who did they love more? Let's be honest. So Leah was talking mad shit like we are right now about Maggie. And Maggie wasn't having it. Kate knew that Maggie was going to do this whole denouncing of spiritualism thing. So she decided that she would be in the audience at the public show that night for moral support. But she didn't go on the stage with Maggie, which I find curious. Maybe she didn't want to be associated with the denouncing of the movement that she was basically was paying her way through life. Yeah, yeah maybe. And Maggie kind of rose to like fame on her own as being like an actual medium. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that makes sense. At the event in which she would tell all of her truths, Maggie Fox said, quote, My sister Katie and myself were very young children when this horrible deception began. At night, 
When we went to bed, we used to tie an apple on a string and move the string up and down, causing the apple to bump on the floor, or we would drop the apple on the floor, making a strange noise every time it would rebound, which you talked about earlier. And then, when that was too easy, the girls began manipulating their knuckles, their joints, like popping joints, um, doing like the cool like toe snap situation, like the... Like jazz toes. But with their toes. Oh, yeah. So it was like way Spirit cooler. toes? Spirit toes! What? We're starting a movement. Hashtag yes. spirit toes. <laughs> Maggie continued, A great many people, when they hear the rapping, imagine at once that the spirits are touching them. It is a very common delusion. Some very wealthy people came to see me some years ago when I lived in 42nd Street, and I did some rappings for them. I made the spirit rap on a chair, and one of the ladies cried out, I feel the spirit tapping on my shoulder. Which, of course, was pure imagination. Yeah. Which I get, dude. I mean, you convince people of something, and they're going to feel it. Well, and also, like, there was just a spider crawling on this wall, uh-huh. like, right by... He settled down. It was the curtain. It Whatever. was... But right by where I'm sitting. I and murdered her. You did. You killed it for me. But ever since then, I've been feeling spiders crawling on my body. So it's like uh-huh. the phantom... Right. Because you're delusional. Exactly. Yeah. I'm <sighs> so fucking delusional. Fucking fully, dude. Fuck. Although, don't freak out. There's one behind me right now. It's holding a gun to your head. Shit. <laughs> Give it what it wants. (laughs) Holding a gun to my head. It's very cute. I wasn't going to say anything because it's kind of It wants its brother that you killed. Oh, God. Hashtag family. Oh, my God. Is that Dominic? (laughs) This is Fast and Furious saga of spiders (laughs) on my shoulder right now. Was the spider that I killed the spider version of Paul Walker? No! (laughs) One rap means yes. Oh, my God. The spider just caught the gun. One rap means, means yes. Why is he driving off in a very tiny Corvette? <laughs> He's wearing a tiny white beater. It's so cute. <laughs> All right. So so then Maggie took off her shoe to prove that she was capable of doing this. And she placed her foot on a wooden stool. She made several small knocks to prove that this was how she had done it all along, which we were doing earlier, which was very cool and honestly very simple. A very dramatic article from the New York Herald reported, Quote, there stood a black-robed, sharp-faced widow, working her big toe and solemnly declaring that it was the way she created the excitement that had driven so many persons to suicide or insanity. One moment it was ludicrous, the next moment it was weird. Well, anyone working their big toe, I mean, that sentence Work it, girl. It's pretty weird. Hey, girl, I like the way you work your big toe. Mm, thanks. What are you, a fox, sister? That's my new pick-up line. <laughs> what are you, a fox, sister? Because you're working that big toe. Maggie also made sure to name Leah by name, saying that she knew that this was fake the entire time and that she exploited her and Kate and, quote, led them around like sheep. For financial gain. Good. I mean, if you remember, they were basically children. They were, what, 11 and 14? Yeah, and they came to live with her, and then she was like, we're going to start doing shows. Cha-ching! Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then, before exiting the stage, she thanked God that she was able to expose spiritualism for what it truly was. 
all hell broke loose in the spiritualism movement. People obviously began to pick sides, saying that they either knew that the sisters were lying the entire time, or they showed sympathy towards the girls, claiming that they probably were mediums, but they were forced to perform for money by their family. Yeah. Which I would sort of like to believe the second one. Yeah. But either way, it does kind of seem like they were basically forced to do this. Like, it started as a joke that got carried away, and then Leah was like, I'm seeing dollar signs right now. Yeah, like the dollar signs came in her eyes, and it was like, ka-ching! Yeah, exactly like that emoji. Super mm-hmm. cute. And then a year later, Maggie was like, oops, actually, I was just kidding. It was all real. And she walked back her confession completely, insisting that her spirit guides had convinced her to do so. So, yeah, she's like, "Uh, spiritualism is fake. This is how I did it. And then she's like, actually, it's super real. Remember when I showed you specifically how to do it? I was lying then? Actually, I need money now, so I'm going to have to start doing these seances. So actually, everything I said was just not not real. It's, yeah, all, it's all real, actually, spiritualism. Oh, yeah, dude. It I'm fully. totally a medium. Oh, 100%. And the spiritualism was, and the spiritualism community was like, mm, okay, we're actually like super big mad right now. So maybe sit down for a moment. Yeah, maybe get the fuck away. Mm-hmm. We don't want you. And then when she realized that was the case... Maggie sort of doubled down, and she attended a debate of whether spiritualism was real or not at the Manhattan Liberal Club under the fake name of Mrs. Spencer, Mm. which sounds fucking fake as shit. Just, like, have a real first name. Be like, my name is Kate Spencer. Why would she use her sister's name? Because, I don't know. Also, she obviously, everyone knew what she looked like. You know, like, she was, like, the founder of this movement. She's like, no, my name is, uh, Miss... Maggie Schmocks. That's right. Uh, Chara uh, Florington is my name. (laughs) So, during this little expose here, this debate, she revealed the tricks of the medium profession. She included showing the way that mediums would write messages on blank slates using their teeth or their feet. What? Yep. She described exactly how knocking tables worked, which was basically a table with a little button that, like, knocked on the top of it. Like that. This is a like you would table. press it with your foot and it would do it? Uh-huh. Oh. And she explained the trick of using trick ink to make words appear on cards. Trick ink. Uh-huh. Did I... people not know that this existed, though? No. I feel like people still don't know this exists. That's, like, a, I feel people know that. Maybe. I mean, we all saw Knives Out. So, like, you know, if, like, you put certain trick inks over right. heat, it, like, exposes that your husband was cheating on you. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think that's kind of common knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Leah and Maggie never spoke again. And actually, Kate died on July 3rd, 1892 of, unsurprisingly, alcoholism. Aww. Less than a year later, Maggie also died of alcoholism. Remember, Kate was the youngest, too. So yes. That's correct. super fucked. So Maggie had been sort of down and out after she denounced spiritualism, and she had been living in an abandoned tenement house until a spiritualist named Miss Emily B. Ruggles, which sounds made up, (laughs) took her in until her death on March 8th, 1893. Oh, so just a year later she died. Yeah, less than a year. Mm. All three sisters were buried in Brooklyn, New York. 
Maggie and Kate are buried at Cypress Hill Cemetery, and Leah is buried with the Fox family in Greenwood Cemetery. I wonder why Maggie and Kate aren't buried with their family. I don't know. Maybe they didn't want to be. Maybe. Maybe. This is weird. Maybe they didn't want to be buried next to that lying bitch, Leah. (laughs) Okay. Just going to put that out there. And that's all we have on the Fox Sisters. If you guys want to learn more, I guess, I would start with our seances episode if you haven't listened to that one yet. And also maybe just practice like toe wrapping, you know, in West Philadelphia, born and raised on the toe ground is where we spend most of our days. (laughs) Ah, the house is full. Welcome, starseeds and light beings to the final juncture of this technicolor dream. I know you ache for the burden of knowledge, so kindly yield and cease your doom-scrolling as the powers that be regale us with tall tales from the plucky guests of this Maison Magnifique. Bienvenue. You're now tuned in to Listener Lore. Alright, this week's Listener Lore comes from our listener named Tim C. He says, Hi ladies, I have a story about my house here in eastern Pennsylvania. (gasps) that I full-heartedly believe has some kind of spirit activity going on. Whoa! To give a really quick backstory to this area, I live an hour north of Philadelphia and Gettysburg, and a lot of houses and buildings in this area are from the 17 to 1800s. So my house was built in 1857. Just after the spiritualism Mm -hmm. movement was founded. Wow. And has seen quite a bit of activity. Everything we've experienced has only been since 2004, when my parents bought the house. The first ever thing that had happened was my mother was downstairs and heard someone running up and down the stairs, leading up from the middle room up to the attic, which is the third bedroom now. Oh, fuck that shit. I don't want to live in an attic. Annoyed because it was late at night, she went upstairs to yell at us but everyone was fast asleep. That could be attributed to two children that I believe passed in the house around the 20s or the 30s. Other weird stuff includes a sign my mom hung from the back porch light. Picture will be included for reference. It was a really small sign that said, Bless this house. And the only way to get it on and off was to take the whole light fixture off of the house okay there were many many times we would come home at night and see it off and face down on the back porch (gasps) that would be so scary i know finally my mom said well i guess someone doesn't like my sign and didn't hang it back up finally the attic which in 2002 was converted to a bedroom my boyfriend insists on having our room up there I refuse to sleep up there if he's not home. Yeah, I don't blame you, Tim. Honestly, fuck that shit, dude. Don't blame you. I will either sleep on the couch or I'll keep a light on. Normally, I'm not scared of darkness, but in that room, if I'm sleeping by myself or without the dogs, I'll have very vivid nightmares. I always feel so much safer if my critters are with me. I know. Uh It's like ghosts can't get you if your dog is with you. Yeah, the (laughs) dog's going to bite the ghost. Exactly. My parents never really believed me about that when I was a kid, until they had moved their room up there. Then I noticed the closet light 
stayed on because my father experienced what I did. I'll always have a feeling of being watched up there, in the basement, or in the shower. My boyfriend also gets a very creeped out feeling when he washes his face like someone is there. I've learned to cope with it, so it all doesn't scare me anymore. Every now and then I'll hear a bang, but I just blame it on our many animals. But I know one thing. I can't wait to finish fixing this house up and putting it on the market. Oh, yeah. Thank you guys so much. Just started with the show, but I love it. Keep up the good work. Regards, Tim. Thank you so much, Tim. That is such a spooky-ass scary story. And as the owner of a haunted attic, I too would shit my pants every time I had to be up there alone. (laughs) If anyone else has any listener lore, spooky stories, alien sightings, Bigfoot sightings even, we haven't had one of those. Yeah, or even if you just want to say hi. You can send us your stories to quiteunusualpod at gmail.com or... Slippery slide into those sweet little DMs, baby. <laughs> We're on all the social medias. We're on Facebook, which that's sort of fun. We're on Instagram, which is very fun. We're on Twitter, which is very frustrating. We're on, <laughs> technically we're on MySpace if you want to do that, but we don't check it because I forgot yeah. the password. Anyways, slippery slide into our DMs. That's a direct message for you old people. And say hi. And if you would like to send us... Maybe not an email, but maybe like a a physical gift, maybe a little postcard, maybe um, maybe a letter too. We'll take a listener, Laura. Oh God, handwritten. How cute would that be? That'd be really cute. Like sign with like a little wax seal if you got one, oh, or like if you want to like I don't know, cut off a chunk of your hair and put it in an envelope and send it to us. You can send that chunk of hair to PO Box one two one two in Des Plaines, Illinois six zero zero one seven. And remember to celebrate the strange. And while you're at it, keep it unusual. Bye. And this is the part of the show that we've all been waiting for. The part where we give thanks to the supporters of the podcast, the all-knowing leaders and benevolent beings. Spencer W., the host of a vampire-only ball held once yearly. The theme this year is Fast and the Furious, mainly because the meal served will be only track stars with anger issues, but also because, well, family. Family is everything. With family, you can street race. Legally, I think, technically. I'm... Yes, only with family, though. Uh, yes, Legally with family. I think so? Yes. 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 To Tim M., who spends his free time making poison apples to sell to evil witches, mm. Tim doesn't have the heart to actually let one of his apples murder someone, mm. so he simply makes sure that to infuse them with lactose and ghost chilies, which will just give you the worst stomachache you have ever had. Mm, Keep the bathroom open. Savannah L. was originally cast in the reimagination of Space Jam, but was considered too spooky for the role. I guess 500-year-old, all-knowing being with white eyes that see endlessly into the future are too spooky for Looney Tunes. Whatever. Hollywood biases, am I right? <laughs> to Samantha P., who does not drink coffee, she drinks the souls of her enemies to fuel her day. Unless it's pumpkin spice season. Mm, pumpkin spice souls? Delicious. Delicious. 
Lauren R. is in a Hoobastank horror-themed cover band. The lyrics to I'm Not a Perfect Person have been altered to include the names of 64 serial killers because, let's be honest, they aren't perfect people. Not a perfect person! (laughs) To Kaylee O, a fan of online catfishing, she pretends to be a vampire offering eternal life, but when you meet her in person, she just tries to get you to join her MLM essential oils team. Mmm, but that lavender oil smells delicious. Dress H, a sleight of hand expert, she's frequently hired for bank heists, but always turns down the offer. She would prefer to continue the family business her grandfather, D.B. Cooper, started. Cracking a safe is just too easy for her. Not enough airplanes involved. No. To Evan K., who once hacked into the CIA's UFO files, but only found a single file containing the music video for Baby Shark, we now have more questions than answers. So, so many questions. KGT, actually a vampire willing to give the gift of eternal life, but no one believes she isn't just running an MLM scam. Does she have the lavender oil? Do you? Do you have the lavender we oil, KDT? We need KDT? to know. We need to know. To Adam K., a product of government testing, Adam now has the ability to send and receive radio waves with his blinks. Mm. He is trying to contact aliens, but really he's just getting a lot of talk radio feedback. Mm, that's unfortunate. Christina N., a strong-willed young mother of three, a devoted wife and law student, Christina has begun to suspect that she can talk to dead people, see the future in her dreams, and read people's thoughts. Coming this fall, Christina is playing Patricia Arquette in Medium. I knew that wasn't Patricia Arquette. I knew it was Christina Mm. the whole time. Yes, Yes, it is. To Kelsey C., who decided to make her own Frankenstein's monster as a way to find a little boyfriend. Mm, Clever girl. But this time, instead of using parts from dead people, she decided to use Paul Rudd's head and Paul Rudd's arms. Great decision. And Paul Rudd's legs. And Mm, Paul Rudd... Wait, is Kelsey dating Paul Rudd? Mm, I hope so. Oh my God, tell him to drop his skincare routine. Mm, We love it. Good for you, Kelsey. Thank you to all of our coven members on Patreon. Without you, we are nothing. We're not worthy. We are not worthy. We're not worthy. We're not a perfect person!